the most important economic issues, society's issues, and the one missing issue from all the polls. Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze Media, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. That's right. And we got a lot of principles I wanted to discuss with you today. I want to discuss with you your culture right now, your society, and what you say are the problems. Because I've been very frustrated over the last week, two weeks, actually, you know what, two years, with what you've actually been discussing. And one of the things I try and do in this show is I actually try and add something to your life. You know, the last week or so has been so incredibly frustrating to watch because of the whole mother report. In fact, the last two years have been really, really hard to watch as the country I love, the country I am crazy about, is literally destroying itself from within and people within your media are just showing themselves to be complete and utter you can fill in the blank you can you can put any word you feel that's apt in there and i'm pretty much okay with it because there's a reason i didn't discuss the Mueller report on this show it's not because it wasn't important it's not because i didn't have an opinion on it it's not because I didn't listen to what your media was saying and I felt I had the need to, you know, correct the record. I didn't because I didn't want to waste your time. And I'm not going to waste your time talking about it now because we want to discuss real issues. But it is frustrating to watch people not understand the difference between news and opinion. It is frustrating to me see people who actually have a predetermined outcome of what they want people to say. And if they don't say it, they go absolutely crazy. Now, this is an attribute that's held by people on both sides of the aisle. But for the Mueller report, it's incredible. You know, the idea that you actually have to have constant updates of an investigation. Just think about this. Have you ever been in an investigation in work? You know, or investigation into, you know, something, you know, whether there's a complaint put against you or, you know, there's an incident happening. Do you have constant every, you know, update every time someone spoke to someone, you had a, an update in work? No, you usually have these things. Okay, listen, we investigate it. Here's the conclusion. This is the situation. Let the facts, for, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Let the facts present themselves. This constant need to talk about it is really unhealthy in my opinion. It's, it's one of the reasons I avoided it. Then it came out, the report came out last Friday, totally innocent of collusion. And everyone's like, oh, really? I was sure he's guilty of it. He had to be guilty of something. Instead of actually saying, you know what? Listen, guys, I spoke about this for two years. I'm really sorry. I was wrong. Mea culpa. I apologize. I won't. I'll learn from this. I'll work to earn your trust again. And the idea that I'll, I'll learn from these mistakes and never let this happen again. This did not happen in the media. 
people were upset. People were like, are you sure there's no investigation? Oh, well, Congress is going to investigate now. And we're going to have this horse and pony show for probably for as long as Trump is president. If Trump sees a second term, you'll probably be talking about this in 2024, the Mueller report. It's incredible. But I actually don't want to talk about that because to me it's boring. I don't want to waste your time. I actually want to talk to you today about what you say are the issues. So there's a company that's got a fair amount of credibility. It's a, it's a market leader when it comes to polls. It's a company called Gallup. I don't trust any polling company. Um, also, I don't talk about polls a lot on the show because they're very easy to manipulate. They are very, I used to work in market research. If you came to me tomorrow and said, listen, John, here's 10 grand or 20 grand. I want you to get me a poll that says 75% of Democrats will vote for Trump in 2020. I can get you that poll. The question is, how do I get it? The question is, how many people do I have to disqualify for it? How do I phrase the questions? But you can get them. It's easily to get polls. It's why I don't spend a lot of time in them and I don't give them credibility. Um, it's just not something I do. But this poll has been going on that I want to talk to you about for a long time. So I want to talk to you about what you say are the actual problems in America. Because what has come, has changed is over the last 10 years has been what you say are the problems in society. Back in 2009, back in the last Great Recession, 86% of people surveyed said some type of economic issue was the biggest problem in the nation. That is down to now 15%. And last month, it was a historic low of 12%. So 12% of people in your country last month had an economic issue as the most important issue. I want to talk to you today about what you say or a chunk of you say, are the most important issues. And what I want you to do is, as I'm talking to you about these, I want you to ask yourself some questions. One, as I go through them, do you think it's a real issue? Do you agree with it? Two, look and see, can you join the dots for what the politicians and what the media actually speak about? Three, see if you actually can see, wow, they're talking about all this, but the American people are responding, are saying this is how important it is. And this is up for both sides. And then when I finish up, I want to talk to you about something that's missing from this poll. And I want you to see if you join me in saying this is actually a big issue. So let's start with the economic issues. So I'm going to give you between numbers. And the numbers go back all the way to last year. And there's the most recent poll was March 2019. So roughly between 12 and 15% of the population say there are economic problems. They, 3 to 4% of those people say the economy in general has a problem. Who do you think would say the economy in general is a problem? Just something to think about. Because we're going to discuss the economy in a few minutes, but I want to talk to you about, is the economy really good right now? What's your good instinct say? Come back to that one in a minute. Between 2 and 4% of the people surveyed said... The federal budget deficit and the federal debt is a problem, is the biggest problem facing America. Now, let's just think, talk about that for a second. If you are a fiscal conservative, if you are a libertarian, if you are some type of conservative Republican, should you be more concerned about the federal debt? Let me give you some stats about your federal debt. You are currently $22 trillion in debt. $22 trillion trillion dollars. 
You have unfunded liabilities of over $120 trillion. You also are back running a trillion dollar deficit each and every year. In fact, the CBO, the, the Congressional Budget Office, came out and said, you know what? We predict that trillion dollar deficits are st- here to stay, and they will happen every year until I think 2028. Now, just in case you don't know who the CBO is, the CBO have a very long track record, a very consistent track record as well, of being wrong and of underestimating the problem. The CBO has this great knack of, you know, they'll come out and say, let's just keep the numbers simple. Oh, we need this program. Okay, cool. Well, government has passed it. This program is going to cost a trillion dollars. The CBO is not going to come out and say it costs a trillion dollars, and then all of a sudden, guess what? We did this program. It's great. It only cost us $900 billion. We saved $100 billion. Doesn't happen. Sorry. Government doesn't work that way. The CBO doesn't work that way. It usually happens on the other way, though. It's always the CBO said it'll cost a trillion dollars, and it cost about, about 1.2, 1.3, maybe 1.5. It always happens that way. Likewise, the CBO always undercut things. So if they say, they're saying federal trillion dollar deficits at the federal level are here till 2028, you can pretty much say they're here for the foreseeable future to at least 2030, 2035, unless something major happens. If you're concerned about this, do you think we're doing our job? Or would you much rather talk about the Mueller report? Is that more important? And then it goes on to the next one. Between 2 and 3% say unemployment and jobs are the problem. Okay. Between 1 and 2% of the population say wage issues are the problem. Okay. These are all within the margin of error, by the way. So this could be 0% or it could be double it. Taxes. Taxes are usually between 1% and 0.5% of the people say that's the problem. Now, you can look at that and say two ways. One, you could say, wow, you know, the, the, the left and our friends on the left who are worried about, you know, income inequality, you know, about the rich not paying their fair share. Well, this is a poll of Republicans, conservatives, independents. They're not worried about those taxes. Likewise, if you're, again, a fiscal conservative, a libertarian, a, you know, conservative Republican, are we doing our job? in actually talking about reducing taxes for people? Are we making the case of, hey, you know what? Keeping your own money is something that should be, is noble. You having more of the money you earn is a good thing. And we should be always looking for tax cuts. I've said this many, many times in the past. You're never going to see me criticize a tax cut. Whether it's Donald Trump doing it, whether it's Barack Obama doing it. I'm not the type of person to go, that tax cut sucks. I will be honest, I'm usually the person, no matter who it is, you could probably put George Washington in an office and, you know, put in a tax cut and I'd be like, yeah, it's still not enough. I want more. I'm, I'm like, you know, it's, I'm like a typical fat boy around desserts, you know. Mmm, that chocolate cake is nice. Next. Mmm, that, cho- that new New York cheesecake. Mmm, lovely. Next. You know, it's just the way it is. Or, you know, more map for me, it'd be more pizza. You know, that slice of pepperoni was great. Next. I want a Chicago-style pizza. Next. I want more and more tax cuts. Sorry, that's just who I am. Until it gets to a point where there is no taxes, especially at the income level, I'm never going to be happy. Full disclosure, that's who I am. But are we making the argument for it? Then some other issues which become in, you know, insignificant numbers between 0.5 and 1%. Corporate corruption. High cost of living inflation. Gap between rich and poor. 
Now, here's one that you would ask you to join the dots with Donald Trump's issue. Between 0.5 and 1% foreign trade and the trade deficit. Then lack of money and fuel and oil prices. I want to hit a couple of these. Nobody cares about the high cost of living and the cost of inflation going up. Why? Is this not a big issue? If you talk about the average person on the ground, regardless of how political you know experience they have, whether they're a novice or whether they have, they're following the news every day, all day, which do you think is more important to the person on the ground? The Mueller report? Or, hey, my rent is going up. Because there are predictions right now, and again, economics are really hard to actually tell you what's going to happen. You can only say, hey, this is likely. But it's likely rent is going to go up, rental prices. That's going to hurt a lot of people. Again, corporate corruption. You're seeing a load of corporate corruption. Corruption's not really the right word. But a load of corporate issues right now in the mainstream press that both sides are pretty worried about at different levels. You know, both sides can you, you agree on certain companies are problems. Facebook is a problem. Both sides say Facebook is a problem. Conservatives say it's a problem because they're targeting you and they're, you know, they're silencing and limiting your appeal. It's also a problem for people like Elizabeth Warren, who's like, all these big companies are too big. We need to, you know, we need to break them up. So both sides don't like Facebook. Like Google, likewise. So corporate corruption is only 1%, though. How do we make that case? And what is the answer? Again, gap between rich and poor, I'm not going to talk about. But I also would like to ask, talk to you about the last one, fuel and oil prices. Between 0 and 0.5% of the population is worried about it. You don't know, actually, one thing I will say about Americans is, you don't, I think, realize how lucky you are, the advantages you have as an American economy that you actually have, that other countries can't replicate unless the fundamental world changes. And some of those benefits are your economy is so big, it's so powerful, but also you have some advantage bedded into the system, the, i.e. The, the dollar being the reserve currency of the world. Oil being traded in dollars is a big advantage. You always talk about, do you remember a couple of years ago, it was actually more than a couple of years ago now, George Bush, I think it was the last time when he was in office, they used to have the tickers on the bottom right-hand side of the telly of how much gas prices were today, and oh my God, they're $4.50, oh my God, the economy's at a standstill. You're all so lucky right now, it's what, about two twenty, two thirty a gallon? It's getting into summer, so you might go up to two fifty. It depends, obviously, what state you're in because of state taxes and stuff. Can you imagine if you had the economy of Ireland where the prices of oil were the same as Ireland, as the same as England? Right now, exchange rates are obviously very hard. The average price of a gallon of gas in Ireland, about $7.50, $8. I think in Britain it's about eight fifty nine. Just something to think about. The benefits you have. Can you imagine how much your economy would struggle if you had even $5 gallon gas? Six dollars. Not even going to Irish prices. These are some of the things we need to talk about. Because here's what I actually want to talk to you about. I asked you a question right at the start. The economy in general, how is it? What does your gut say? Because here's the problem, and I think one of the reasons, many reasons I stay away from politics is because when you're in politics, it's, you know, there's narratives or there's talking points going around. 
If I talk to my friends on the right, they'll focus in on the economy being great, jobs, record unemployment level. If I speak to my friends on the left, it's, you know, through the narrative of, well, things aren't great right now. There's these certain underlying problems. And both will say they're both right and the other is wrong. But can it be a case of, you know what, both are right and both are wrong? Because here's the truth about your economy. And this is not just all my opinion. This is based on numbers. Your economy, from a jobs point of view, is historic. You you look at some of the stats on unemployment level, historic lows. There are people now who are saying this is like a 100-year pro-growth, pro-business, pro-job, pro-employee job market. It is that good. It is like once in every 100 years. That is how historic it is. You look at some of the underlying stats when it comes to black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment, female unemployment, all across the board, historic levels. That is really, really good. But why is it good? Why is it good right now? Why is it so good? Because you have a person in the White House... And now we can talk about the constitutionality of this another time. But you have a person who is clearly pro-business. You also had a tax cut. And you also have a president, through people surrounding him, signing executive orders, reducing the rules and regulations of business. Taking the foot off the throat of businesses. You know, when I talk about economic theory and I talk about, you know, my I, I'm a big proponent of the fair tax, which is basically no income tax. It's consumption-based taxes. But even you think about like a policy, I think Ted Cruz had a policy of a 10% flat tax or a 12.5%, I'm not sure the number, but he had a, a flat tax proposal a couple of years ago. Herman Cain ran in 2012 on the 999 plan. If people, when I talk about this, go, well, would it really work? Well, you've seen what a small tax cut and a pro-business president could do. Could you imagine if you actually had a historic tax cut? You actually reduced the federal government? But then you also have a problem that not, nobody wants to talk about. My friends on the right don't talk about this anymore. My friends on the left don't talk about it. You can't just cut taxes. You also need to cut spending. The money coming into the Treasury over the last couple of years has been near historic levels, if not historic levels. Yet, you're still borrowing a trillion dollars a year. How can we do this? You can't just keep borrowing money. This is not like an endless pit where you just keep going, borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. At some point, that bill, that tab has to be paid. Now, I don't know the number. And if you want my honest opinion, no one knows the number. You're at 22 trillion right now. It could be 25 trillion. It could be 30. Heck, it could even go to 100 trillion. We might all be dead and buried. But at some point, you're going to need to pay that bill. And no one knows when it is. Do you think this is something we should be worried about? You're having all these businesses. Do you think lobbying is a problem in your economy? Do you think all these big businesses who have all these advantages because of their access, it's not what they know, it's not what their product they serve, it's who they know in, in, in Washington that can get their bills passed. Is that a problem? I believe all these are problems. We have to have honest conversations about your economy. There are some really good things, but there are some things on the horizon that need to be addressed. If we don't remove ourselves from the political camps and only want to talk about all the good or all the bad, we're going to lose. 
And when I say we, I mean America, but I also mean the world. Because when America sneezes, we get a cold. This affects everyone. Our economies are so intertwined right now. But what is the end game for all of us? That's something I'd ask you to think about this weekend. When it comes to the economy, what is the end game? I've always been upfront and clear with you what my end game is. My end game when it comes to the economy is let the people decide. You get to keep the fruits of your own labor. You get to go and be into business in whatever business and pursue your happiness that you want. That is my end game. Yes, you may fail. Yes, you may not make it. But you have that opportunity. And if you are successful with that opportunity, you can take on anyone. You can make as much money as you want. And we don't hate you for us. In fact, we actually you know, promote that. Why? Because if you've made a load of money, and you've made a load of money in a free market system, it's because you had a product or a service that you marketed that people wanted. Why would I hate you? Why would I hate you for being filthy rich that you help make people's lives better? These are some conversations we need to have, and I'm going to give you just touching the surface, but these are conversations I think we need to have over the coming weeks and months in a lot more detail. And stop talking about the left and the right, but actually talking about real issues and real solutions. As always, we release a new show every Saturday morning, sometime around 12 noon Eastern. We're on all major platforms. We're on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, Omni FM, Stitcher FM, Player FM, Spotify, CastBox. You name it, you search for Freedom's Disciple. Please subscribe. Also, if you happen to listen on a platform like iTunes, please leave us a rating and a review. We get, we're getting some great reviews, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you. We got one from... Uh, Darna22, Jonathan talks about things you probably didn't learn in school, unless you're as old as me, but he studied and pondered from across the pond. Your government doesn't have to be led by a despot to still effectively take away your God-given rights. Ireland is one example. Amen. Thank you so much for that great rating, that review. So please, if you happen to listen on platforms, what that does is there's an algorithm. The more people who interact, leaves ratings and reviews... It helps new people find the show, and that's how we're going to grow, and that's how we're going to change society. We're going to talk about being pro-American principles, pro-American exceptionalism. That is what this show is about. And, of course, please consider sharing it with your family and your friends. That is how we will grow. So we just spoke about economic issues. Again, these are what you say. And this is going back. I'm not just talking like, you know, March 2019. I'm talking more historic figures as well, trying to show you, you know, how much it's changed. So 15%, between 12 and 15% said some type of economic issue. So that leaves about 80 to 87% of the population with some non-economic issue as the biggest issue in America. I'm going to run through these very quickly and then I want to talk to you about some of them. Between 29 and 35% of your people talk about the government or poor leadership being the biggest non-economic problem. Between 12 and 19% say immigration is... Between 7 and 9% say race relations and racism. Between 5 and 11% say healthcare. 
Between 2 and 5% say ethics, moral, religious, family decline. Between 1 and 5% say environmental pollution. Between 5 and 3% uh, unifying the country. Between 2 and 6% say poverty and hunger and uh, homelessness. Between 2 and 3% say education. Uh, between 6 and 3% say lack of respect for each other. Between 1 and 2% say drugs. Between 2 and 4% say violent crime. Um, between 1 and 2% say national security. Then you're getting down into the 1%. I'll just give these off to you real quickly. Between 0.5 and 1%. Uh, national security, judicial uh, system, courts and laws, the media, foreign policy, foreign aid, for focus overseas, abortion, lack of military defense, guns and gun control, welfare, care for the elderly, advancement of computers and technology, wars, fear of war, social security, elections, election reform, situation with North Korea, terrorism, children's behavior and the way they're raised, international issues, problems, situation with Russia, situation in Iraq and ISIS, school shootings, war conflict between Middle Eastern nations, gay and lesbian rights, and natural disaster response. There is a lot there. So let's talk about this. So right at the top, the biggest issue people are worried about when it comes to non-economic issues, and actually it is the biggest issue, even including the economy, is the government and poor leadership. Now, obviously, it's very hard to talk to these polls because you'd love to actually ask follow-up questions. What are you worried about? But let me ask you a question. If you've listened to this show for, I don't know, any portion of time, you know I talk about the Constitution quite a bit. And you know I'll talk about limited government, I'll talk about Article 1 powers, I'll talk about Article 2 powers... Let's go with the high number. The high number was taken in February 2019. That high number was 35%. What percentage of that 35% of people who were worried about the government actually were worried about it being unconstitutional? Honest question. Honest question. Because I would say a very small percentage. Now, Now you have to ask yourself, is the government, the way it operates right now, a problem? And is there a solution to it? The poor leadership problem is so hard to read. What does that mean? You know, people could say, well, I don't like Donald Trump. That's poor leadership. Oh, well, I don't like Nancy Pelosi. Poor leadership. What is the role of government? These are questions we need to ask ourselves. Then you get on to the second issue. Immigration between 12 and 21%. It was at a high of 21% in January 2019. 21%, 1 in 5. What part of immigration? Is immigration a problem in America? Is the system broken? Are the laws been enforced? Do you have illegal immigration problems? Do you have people overstaying? Do you have a system where people like me are trying to get in and trying their hardest to get in and it is so hard? And every time I think I have the answer... It turns out I actually don't. How about race and racism? That's the third one. The high was late last year, December last year, 9%. It's now down to 7 Is racism a problem? Is racism a problem? Can we actually have a conversation about that with our friends? Are there people out there who are idiots when it comes to race? Absolutely. They're on all sides. 
Another story which I don't really want to talk about because I'm disgusted by it, but is that whole Jesse Smollett totally cleared of all charges? Really? If I did the same thing, do you think, do you think I would have got the same treatment? There's a question for you. Healthcare. Is healthcare a problem in your country? Can we have a conversation about healthcare? Because I remember all the years, all the years I was involved in politics from 2010. Now, the great Republican Party repeal and replace. Repeal and replace. Even though I was like, no, you don't need to replace it. Just repeal it. Stop. Repeal. Full stop. But when do we actually have conversations about healthcare anymore? You actually literally have everyone in the Democratic Party, I believe, maybe bar one, who is running for 2020. Who was like, yeah, you know what? That Obamacare was great back then, but now it's not working anymore. We need a different system. And what's their answer? A bill that would be considered moderate. Because it's not on the same level. But when Bernie Bernie Sanders in the Senate, I think it was in 2013, said, I want to have Medicare for all. It couldn't get one co-signature. It was him and him alone. Now everyone's like, yeah, that, what, that didn't go far enough. Bernie Sanders isn't socialist enough for me. Is healthcare a problem? Is Obamacare still an issue? Is healthcare prices going through the roof a problem? Environmental pollution. It's amazing. Environmental pollution, the highest, was last December at 5%. And it hovers between 2 and 4%. Yet, our friends on the left, especially our favorite friend, AOC, with the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal. ha 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 the Paris Climate Accord. Oh, ho, ho. That's for people who love my French accent. The Green New Deal. The Green New Deal, which was voted on the Senate, didn't get one person to say yes. You know, and, and I will say this to my Democratic friends. Shame on you. You should have voted for it. At least, you know, because we all know you believe it. At least have the balls to go, you know what? Yeah, I, I agree with the Green New Deal. We need to do this. You know, I'm not saying it's all of them. But some of them should have. Because some of them clearly agree with it. But environmental pollution, for all the talk about climate change and all the fear-mongering, all the polar bears, all the ice caps are melting. Oh my god. 5% is its high. Interesting, isn't it? Then you get down to education. Between 2 and 3%. Education. Is education a problem? Is education a problem? Donald Trump and... Again, I don't want to talk about the Constitution of it today, because that's a different story. But fair play to him, because last week he signed an executive order that said, you know what, if you don't give fair access to campus you know, and respect free speech, we're cutting off your funding. The reason I don't want to talk about the constitutionality of it is because, full, full disclosure, I don't think they should be getting funding, period. But that's a conversation for another day. But is that a problem? Is it, you know, the indoctrination... Do people actually get education in ed- in school anymore? Do they? Do they do they learn the constitution? Do they learn the history? You know, there are constant stats I can pull out where if you are going to be a lawyer and you're going to law school, you don't spend much time, if any, talking about and learning about the constitution, but you will learn and talk about case law and precedent. Do you think that's right? There are certain colleges you can go to where you can be a history major and not learn about the American Revolution. Do you think that's right? Is education a problem? 
Then on to drugs. Between, you know, 1% and 2%. This doesn't have to be a question of, you know what, should drugs be legal? Should the government say you can't do drugs? That's not the issue. Is drugs an issue in, in your society? Is it? This is a question we all have to ask ourselves. National security. Is national security an issue? Because between 1% and 2% of your population says it's the most important. Are we making the case? Look at all the stuff that's happening around your national security. I know everyone's been focused on the Mueller report, but there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world right now from a national security point of view. Brexit's still going on. English people are killing each other because they haven't got guns. They're knifing each other in the street. Yet a day goes by that I don't log on to an English paper to read the research and, you know, see what's going on in England and around the world. That I don't see some person dying or been stabbed the night before. You know, you have the situation in in Paris, in France. The Yellow Vest protests are still going on. That could erupt. You have the situation in North Korea. You have the, the trade war with China. You have the situation in the Middle East. Which, by the way, on a side note... Uh, side point kudos to you donald trump you know it's it's one of the frustrating things for me about people on all sides is we have this narrative that we want to share and want to promote but the facts don't add up to it i've always not i'm not donald trump's biggest fan this is not a spoiler alert if you're a long-term listener there's a lot of things i don't like about donald trump but my job is not to criticize him or my job is not to promote him my job is to call balls and strikes And what I find so frustrating is the guy is apparently the most anti-Semitic guy that you'll ever meet. If I listen to my liberal friends, he hates the Jews. But yet, for a guy who hates the Jews, he will arguably go down as the most, arguably the most pro-Israeli president of all time. Kudos to you for recognizing something that's been ongoing for about 50 years with the Golden Heights. Kudos to you. But is that an issue? Is ISIS still an issue? Foreign policy seems to have gone down the list. Now talk to my friends on the right. Maximum 1% of people say the media is a problem. For all the talk with Donald Trump and fake news and their enemy of the people, your people don't seem to be buying into that. Why is that? Now I don't buy into the enemy of the people. I think that's a, that is a really strong charge that I don't agree with. But the way they acted last weekend... With the whole Mueller report, that's pretty damn close to being an enemy of the people. Where you're actually disappointed. Your own government came back and said, yeah, President Trump is not an operative of Russia. And everyone's like, really? Damn, we thought he was. And then you don't apologize? Again, I don't buy the narrative, but seriously, they're getting pretty close. Abortion. Abortion, 1%. Of the people say it's a big issue. To my friends on the right who think abortion is wrong. Are we doing our job on this? Are we making the case? That our friends on the left. Are now literally saying when a baby is born. They can still be aborted. We're not talking about abortion anymore. We're talking about infanticide. And yet only 1% of the population. Said it's the biggest issue. 1%. We can argue about government and poor leadership and the Mueller report and immigration and race relations and healthcare. But if we don't have a fundamental understanding that all of that is irrelevant when it comes to life, what's the point? What is the point? 
People said a bigger issue was the lack of respect for each other. But when it comes to killing babies, and yeah, don't worry about it. Are we doing our job? Are we making the case for why it is a big issue? Honest question. Because the left, the left, the real radical left, are taking off their masks. And what's our answer? Is our answer to go to the squishy middle? Is our answer to be silent? Is our answer to go into the moderate, you know, let's be in the center? Well, you know, up to a certain point you can kill your baby, but after that, no. They're just extremists. But do we make the case? But as much as abortion should have been at the top, for all the talk from my liberal friends about gun control and guns being the enemy and, you know, praising New Zealand for literally on pure raw emotion, taking every gun pretty much from New Zealand people, 1% of the population with a high of 3% say gun control is the biggest issue. Really? All that narrative, all those talking points, and that is the amount of people that you can translate to. I'm going to share a link to this, and I'd ask you to go through it. But what I want to talk to you about is, look around at these issues. Ask yourself, are these the most important issues to you? But then look about what we spend so much time talking about. All the time my friends on the left talk about gun control. Look at what it's result in when it comes to polling. This is not like a case of, it, it does spike when there's a school shooting, but it doesn't spike to anywhere near, you know, in the 20s or the 15%. So it doesn't go past immigration as a big issue. But then next month, it'll be right back down to normal. Are we making the case for self-defense? Are we making the case to people about why, you know what, taking guns from people won't work? That all you're literally going to do is cripple the good, honest, law-abiding citizen. The bad people will still do bad things. Hey, case in point, England right now. Yeah, they don't have guns, but they're stabbing each other. It is not a knife issue. It is not a gun issue. It is not a rock issue. It's not any other issue, but a heart issue. Because we do not believe life is sacred, or we do not act like life is sacred anymore. When it comes to global warming, to my friends on the left, all the talk, you know, we've 12 years, to st- the world ends. Well, people aren't buying into that. These are the issues you say are important. Again, this is a mixture between Republicans and Independents and Democrats. It's not skewed either way. These are what you say is important. Now, here's my challenge to you. Go look at what people are saying. And look what you think. And now look at what your politicians and your media are focusing on them. Because here's the, what you need to do, I believe, to survive and to prosper like never before. You have to actually make the case. If you believe abortion is wrong, you got to look at these figures and go, what we're doing isn't working. We need to change strategy. If you believe in a system of government that is you know, constitutional, you got to look at it and kind of go, we need to change strategy. We need to make the case. If you believe the economy is good but has problems, we need to start making the case. We need to get distracted so much on social media with bouncing balls and the Jesse Smollett case. It's a really troubling case. I'm not, just, I'm not saying it's not. It is. But is it worth your time? The Mueller report. Is it worth your time? Our people around the media, and I say this on all sides. I'm not just saying the liberal media or the mainstream media. The people you listen to, the people you watch, are they making you better? Are they educating you? Or are they wasting your time on outrage? 
And is that a best right use of your time? Because I always say I'll never waste your time. I want to encourage you and inspire you. Because you are an amazing nation. You have a set of ideals which work. Which worked 240 years ago. But we need to start promoting them again. I'll be sharing this link on all my social media over the weekend um, on Twitter at Freedom Disciple on Facebook Jonathan Dunn 58 give me a share give me a follow um, send me a friend request I love engaging with you I love engaging with you privately talking to you about the, the issues that are important to you and as always if you think you're, you want something discussed on this show drop me a DM and you know I'll talk to you about it privately and maybe bring it to the show and I'm open for all ideas I want to make this show or answer your questions as best I can I want to finish up today's show by making it two quick points one what we just spoke about, these are the problems your people are talking about. These are the problems that are in the polls. You know one thing that was missing? Problems with the Constitution. Problems with understanding the idea of America. The problem with not knowing your history, not knowing your founding. We just discussed some of them in different parts. But do you think that's a problem? You know one of the problems I think that is one of America's biggest problems? And it's on both sides of the aisle. The amount of Americans who can ad- adequately say in 60 seconds or even two minutes or less why America factually is an exceptional and unique nation and the others are not. It's not because you're Americans. It's not because of your land. It's not because, well, we're Americans. The amount of people who can do that in less than two minutes is troubling. I've asked people. Do you think that's a big problem? Do you think the amount of people who actually know about the ideals we talk about on this show week in and week out is a problem? Do you think the love of America is a problem? I.e., not the love of, yeah, we're Americans, we're just better in the stars and stripes, baby. I mean the actual love. Do you think the way, the lack of knowledge of George Washington is a problem? How he's been whitewashed from history is a problem. How everyone wants to talk about, well, we just need someone to get our enemy. Compared to George Washington, who not only was humble enough when he accepted the commander of the Continental Army, saying, I don't think I'm worthy of this job. And many people would say that today. To the standard of, he served once and went home. Look at DC today. Look at D.C. D.C. is practically a retirement home. There are people in there forever. There are people in there since before the Civil War. It feels like they've been around forever. Look at the people who actually want to talk and all they want to do is get in front of the media and talk and talk and talk and talk. Go back to George Washington in Philadelphia where he was summoned. He didn't want to talk. It wasn't about him. When he got that knock on the door, when they sent for him, his first reaction was, my God, what more does my country demand of me? How many people would say that today? How many people would say, I just did my part and I want to go home and live my normal life? But then when he went, how was he described in Philadelphia? He was described as the slow and silent, steady hand the Constitution needed. How many people are slow, steady and silent today in Congress, in the Senate? In the White House. 
And this is not about this administration or the last one. This is historic. Look how far you've gone. Do you think the whitewashing of your history, where people are like, well, you know, America's only just this white Christian nation. And no one knows about the black founders like Crispix Attucks. About who the first real slave owner was in America. Do you think that's a problem? Do you think it's a problem how so many people on both sides of the aisle make the Supreme Court the moral arbiter of society when in truth that court has been a disgrace for the longest time? The court has a history of making historically bad decisions. Whether it's Dred Scott, whether it's Korematsu, whether it's Corey versus Ferguson, whether it's Brown versus Board of Education, whether it's Roe versus Wade. But yet both sides are so apt that, well, it's the Supreme Court to decide because all of a sudden the Supreme Court are never wrong. Do you think that's a problem? Do you think that's a problem we should discuss? Do you think we should look at how a fundamental set of words, all men are created equal, but yet we all act like mini tyrants where we're okay with freedoms once we agree with them, but when it comes to something we don't agree with, we seek to control them. We seek to control people saying, you can't do that. I don't like that. Whether it's on speech, everyone's okay. Well, I agree with this set of speech, but you, you can't say that. If you defend that speech, you're a hater. Or whether it comes to the standard of life that we don't feel comfortable with. Well, you can't do that. I don't like it. We all want to control people that we don't like or doing things that we don't like. But yet we'll stand here and go, well, are we all created equal? Sure, we all talk about equality because equality is one of those words that poll tests really well. Do you think that's a problem? Do you think that's a problem or should we go back talking about the Mueller report and how Donald Trump was proven innocent? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. Do we actually want to have conversations about the free market? And I don't mean the free market that everyone talks about today, because America right now, there is no free market. If you believe in the free market system, there is no one to point to right now. America does not have a free market system, because it is a controlled free market. But if you believe in the free market, do you think we should have this debate? Do you think we should have the debate over whether socialism is somehow all of a sudden such a radically great idea? Do you think we should discuss places like Venezuela, which still has no power in some places? People are dying on the street from hunger, from lack of medicine, from no light and heat. Do you think we should discuss this? Do you think we should discuss this ancient ideology, which has been defeated so many times? Do you think we should discuss communism? Do you think we should discuss places like North Korea, where they have real equality? where they are all equally poor, where they are living off rice fields, where they have no rights, where they're so indoctrinated. When people like Australians, uh, Doctors Without Borders went in to cure them of their blindness, they didn't thank the doctor who operated on them or performed on them. They were so indoctrinated to think that their ruler was their god, they thanked him and not the doctor. Do you think we should discuss this type of indoctrination? Or again, or should we discuss the small issues of the day? These are the questions we need to start asking ourselves. This is a question Americans need to start asking ourselves. Irish people need to start asking themselves. Everyone, what is your end game? Is your end game control or tyranny or some type of despot that you're comfortable with? 
Or is the aim freedom and liberty? What is the answer? I know what I stand with. Which leads me to one last point. And it's a follow-up from last week's show. And if you didn't check out last week's show, please consider doing it. It was about the Constitution. And what was constitutional and not. When you are on the side of principles, you will find yourself with very strange bedfellows. Very strange. And you may have different worldviews. You may have different motives. You may disagree on every other issue. But on that principle, you can agree on. And you may come to that principle for different motives. But does that make the principle any less pure? I know from personal experience, this happened to me with two people this week who I have never, ever agreed with. Ron Emanuel, the governor, I think, or mayor of Chicago, and David Axelrod, who, who formerly worked for Barack Obama. These are two people I don't like. This truth be told, the stuff I've heard behind the scenes, I'm not going to go have a beer with these two people. I'm not going to associate with them. I've just, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. The stuff I've heard could be wrong. But just, they're not going to associate with me and I'm not going to associate with them. But this week, they were right about something. They were spot on when it came to commenting on the Just Jesse Smollett case. Strange bedfellows. If you said to me a week ago, you're going to tweet agreement with both Ram Emanuel and David Axelrod, I went, yeah, right, not going to happen. Strange bedfellows. I bring this up because last week I got a criticism with my show when I talked about the Constitution and, you know, originalists, was that I was somehow defending the likes of Rand Paul and Mike Lee for voting with the Democrats, that they were traitors, that they are just anti-president, they're just anti-Trump, and that I should know better. Look, when it comes to principles, there are people who are going to be principled for different reasons. I don't care what the principle is if, if the principle is right. If all of a sudden abortion became wrong in the Democrats' eyes and it was for some asinine reason, like a stone told them they should be against, or that's where they, they were against it because of, you know, the political opinion of the day and, you know, it swung so far back to pin so pro-life and that's the way they went. I don't care. If they're for the principle, we should all agree. That is not, it's not about people. It's not, well, what do the Democrats think and I'm automatically going to think the opposite. That's opposition politics. That happens in Ireland, that happens in England all the time. It happens in Europe. What are you for? Oh, well, you're for that, I'm for the opposite, just because we don't, we can't see things the right way. When you make things about politics and you make things about people, that's what's going to happen. We're never, ever, ever going to find actual reason, logic, or consistency when you make things about principles. I've said this so many times. I will be on the side of the Constitution regardless of who it's popular with. Whether it's libertarian, whether it's conservative, whether it's Democrat. Heck, the Socialist Party could come out and be Constitution. So I'd be like, I don't agree with you on anything, but on the Constitution, you're right. It's about principles. Principles are key. Principles are consistent. Just because people's motives are different doesn't make the principle any less true. Because if it does... Was David Axelrod wrong this week? Was Rahm Emanuel wrong this week? Because if you're just against them, because they're them, you would have been on the wrong side, I believe, in the Jussie Smollett case. What's more important, people or principles? Which one is eternal? Some questions for you to ponder this weekend. As always, 
all this show is available on freedomsdisciple.com. You can get your, your hoodies there. We're still raising money for Mercury One, who are doing amazing work. If you could keep them in your prayers, they're, they're going up to the Midwest to those horrific floods. They're doing a lot of work with teams like Team Rubicon. Historic flooding. You want to talk about issues, you know, real issues? That place has been devastated, and it's really, really bad. And some of the reports I've seen is just so sad, so keep them in your prayers. But we're raising money for them and for the Nazarene Fund. So get your hoodie. All profits go to them. No, nothing for me or anybody else. It's literally all profits. 100% of the profits go to raise are going for Mercury One. So go to freedomsdisciple.com slash store. You'll see them. The most popular hoodie is America Making the Impossible possible it's a great message i think it's it's a true factual message but also it shouldn't be a political message my friends on the left should be able to wear it my friends on the right should be able to wear it young old black white gay straight it's a simple message but it's true and i think it's an inspiring message there's also a lot of other hoodies check them out i say all funds go to mercury one all 100 percent profits go to mercury one until next week at Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, I want to salute all those who actually serve, the police officers, the firefighters, emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never ever forget, America is great because Americans are good. That's each and every one of you. It's not about your government. It's about what you do. It's about the ideals and the principles you stand for. Have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.